This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey there, profiteers. Welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast for episode number 118. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg, and today we have a special one-time guest episode. And this was actually something I recorded to go over on my YouTube channel. You can find that at youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg. I do a, a bunch of fun videos over there, so definitely check that out. And this video was supposed to go up there, but it didn't record right on both sides. But the conversation was so great, I started to think, you know what? This isn't just great for video. The audio is amazing, and that did record right. So today we're going to jump in to a special one-time audio podcast that was intended to be a video for YouTube. So again, make sure to check out my YouTube. But right now we're going to jump into this awesome interview with a doctor. He has his PhD. He's done a whole lot of fun entrepreneurial things. We will talk all about the economy, something near and dear to my heart. We will dive in right now on the Personal Profitability Podcast. Hey, Profiteers. I'm so excited to be here with Andre from One Minute Economics on YouTube. We're here to talk about investments, the economy, and his new book. I'm super excited. So welcome, Andre. Great to uh, connect with you and chat with you. Thank you very much for having me. Love to hear about how you got into econ in the beginning. I have a finance degree, or as most of my uh, professors called it, finance degree. <laughs> I guess so, so would you call it e- economics or economics? What's your personal preference? Let's start there. Yeah, I, I'm just used to saying economics, but ne- <laughs> we do have to figure out if they're GIFs or GIFs as well. Oh, <laughs> Next I'm, I'm on team GIF, I, I think. But but I, when I hear both, I know what people are talking about. <laughs> but, but we can just, <laughs> I will use econ today, my, my old college fallback term. So how did you get into econ? What was your motivation? I'm a bit of a weird economist in that I have this strange combination between kind of three smarts and book smarts. And that's because growing up in Eastern Europe, I didn't have that many amazing opportunities at my disposal offline. So right out of high school, I started some online projects. Those went well. I was never the type of person to just foolishly spend money. So I essentially set most of the money that I set aside. And yeah, things were going great. I got accepted to university and everything seemed to have fallen into place, except not really, because Life happened, as sometimes is the case, and in my situation, that meant two dimensions. Uh, One, my mom got sick. We don't have, you know, the best medical system in the world here, so I took her to another country to get better treatment. And as I'm sure people expect, this does tend to put a huge burden on your net worth, or in my case, especially since I was so young, my net worth ended up pretty much going back to zero. And not only that, but this happened precisely when the global financial crisis of 07 and 208 started. So not only did I have this family-related shock, but my businesses also suffered as a result of the Great Recession. So yeah, it it wasn't the most fun period in my life. Let me just just tell you that. And some people are zen about it, you know, like, oh, but the bad things in life make you stronger and you should be grateful for that. I, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. So what I do through my work is I try to make as many people as possible to make it possible through the knowledge I give them for them to have a better life than the one I had. And that's kind of 
what motivates me to teach people economics, to write books, because I went from essentially dropping out of college or not even dropping out. I never went there. But as my businesses started growing again, as I was doing well financially, I was able to go after my bachelor's, after my master's, after my PhD. And I did so from a position of financial security and also knowing that I will never need to rely on my career as an economist to pay the bills, essentially. And that gives me just tremendous freedom because on the one hand, I have uh, all sorts of projects that are very good at at generating money, much better so than YouTube or writing books. But on the other hand, I have my channel, I have my books that are kind of bigger than myself because they give me this deeper sense of fulfillment, you know, all the feels, essentially. So, it's a very good combination in my case, and the freedom I have is just awesome because I do whatever I want on my channel. Or when it comes to books, I write whatever I want, whenever I want, like the newest one, The Age of Anomaly. I, I talk to people and laugh that you can work out your biceps if you make it a goal. And editors hate me because it's a long book. It's like 400 plus pages, but that's the way I wanted to write it because I knew that people in my audience – for most people, it's going to be the only book about preparedness from a financial perspective that they're ever going to read. So I might as well make it work and kind of write it in a from A to Z type way to give people a big picture. So that's pretty much my life right now. Kind of this continuous juggling act between stuff that makes money and stuff that gives me a deeper sense of meaning. That's great. You know, for the for the stuff that makes you money, you mentioned you've had several businesses. I you mentioned oh, yeah. hosting amongst other things. And what were some yeah. businesses that you've done that have worked well? And what are some that didn't work as well? Well, I have had two shared hosting businesses that had some a few hundred customers and I spent just a ton of time on them. It was really interesting to see the internet under the hood, so to speak. And I got hacked by people from all continents. And uh, yeah, it was an experience for sure. Then I had a dedicated hosting business that I dedicated, no pun intended, practically no time to but ended up selling it, and not necessarily selling, but it it worked. I ended up ranking on Google. I I ended up having these huge customers, not many, but they sent a lot of business my way, and that turned out great. Then I had my development businesses, and I sold everything from articles to design to occasionally SEO services as well. I had an auction platform. I had a small escrow site that got indirectly sold to escrow.com and and that it was sold to a website, which was then sold to escrow.com and escrow.com was then sold to freelancer.com. So I I, I brokered digital assets as well, especially domain names. I also invested more and more in exotic assets, like of course, domain names and especially nowadays, cryptocurrencies. All of these things are remarkably good at, at, I always tell people when they contact me with my YouTube channel and they say, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a YouTuber or I want to become a writer or what's your, any tips for me? And the number one thing I tell them is that if you're in it for the money, my pro tip for you is don't. Because it's not the reason why you should get into this. It'll take way too long to make money. Yeah, if you, <laughs> You'll burn out by then. Exactly. <laughs> if you're in it for the money, there's there are better ways to skin that cat. But if you're passionate, if you're in it for the right reasons, then before you know it, like what happened with One Minute Economics, you go from talking to yourself and just starting the channel as a hobby to, I don't know, a few months ago, getting featured on MSN or seeing that my animations are appear on television in like Croatia and Holland. I, I saw my animations in Kenya uh, on national television on two separate occasions, actually. And then you have universities that use my stuff. I have, you know, open universities, smaller ones, uh, even universities all the way in Australia. And it's just awesome. And this is what I tell people about anything that has to do with education. Like, 
if your heart's not into it, then someone's going to beat you to it who actually is passionate about this stuff. However, if you start for the right reasons and if you execute properly, then awesome things can happen. Even if you don't necessarily get in it for the money, eventually there are going to be a ton of opportunities. Like, not necessarily the money, but for my YouTube channel, right? I have this book lounge and I want to get as many people to know about it as possible. So I just contacted a few sponsors and told them, hey, I want to start a contest for the book. And they said, sure, okay, we can sponsor with this, we can sponsor with that. And now for my book launch contest, without doing anything, essentially, I have one Bitcoin as the first prize. If you just calculate how much that is worth. I have like hardware wallets. More than a couple dollars. Yeah, I have hardware wallets, $100 <laughs> Amazon gift cards, just a ton of prizes. And that's kind of my main takeaway that I tell people about blogging, YouTube, podcasts, that sort of thing. The real potential is in the indirect benefits. More so than strictly, you know, uh, publishing content, making money through ads, rinse and repeat. As you've noticed, I'm a pretty weird economist. <laughs> I have this very weird set of skills. All economists are a little weird, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't. Otherwise, there wouldn't be economists. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. So. <laughs> one area I know you have a lot of expertise is uh, preparing for the next financial crash. You mentioned earlier the 2007 and 2008 oh, you know, big global economic crisis. I was actually a bank manager when that all started at my first job out of college. So I was watching mortgages start to blow up <laughs> on the inside. Luckily, my bank my bank was very conservative, so we didn't suffer too much. But you know, we've been on this amazing run. The stock market's high flying. Uh, we, we can point our fingers to a lot of reasons <laughs> for, for that. You know, we know eventually this run on the stock market and the economy in general, it just can't go forever. Uh, there are cycles in the economy. So if you were trying to prepare, uh, not knowing if a downturn is going to come in a month or a year or four years, you know, whatever point it comes, what would you do to get ready today uh, with your investments in your portfolio? First of all, today is the operative word because there's a, it would have been much easier for me to come you know, on many YouTube channels and podcasts like I'm doing now, but do so when everyone's panicking because when everyone's panicking, they're far more receptive to my message than now when nobody's panicking. But I'm coming here today, and this is what I continuously explain to people. It's far wiser to start preparing even a year or two early than being a month too late because it takes time to put together a solid portfolio. Like I'm invested all over the place, whether it comes, whether we're talking about crypto or uh, rent producing properties here in Romania that I have. And these things don't just happen. Like you can't just snap your fingers and say, okay, now I have rent producing properties. You have to find them. You have to acquire them to seal the deal. You have to prepare them, you know, uh, get them ready so as to be able to generate rent income for you. The same principle, maybe it's not as difficult, but the same principle is valid when it comes to other assets as well. You, you have to time your entry. You have to figure out what you invest in. And these are things that take time. So essentially, I'm definitely not your average person who says the world's going to end every month. I don't make the habit of making predictions, actually. And instead, I tell the people, look, these are the reasons why I'm concerned. Whether we're talking about, one, our economy that is excessively dependent on low interest rates, on even occasional injections of capital into the system, whether it's the fact that in the United States, for example, $85 billion per month at the height of QE have been pumped into the system. That's a trillion per year. Now, just think about the fact that from 1913 up until the Great Recession of 0708, the monetary base was at about $850 billion. So essentially, more was injected into the system in the U.S. in one year than had existed over, 
after almost 100 years of central banking. That's and that's the United States. The United States is actually in better shape because over there, interest rates went to zero. But here in the European Union and in Japan, they even went negative. So definitely this manner in which the economy has been numbed or if you will even zombified to a certain degree is problematic. Then you have the geopolitical aspects with arguably the largest trade war in the history of mankind developing right before our eyes, that between China and the United States, or, you know, growing the waves of protectionism in various countries. If you look up economic history, like what I try to teach people with my book, you're going to realize that doesn't tend to end well. So there's the geopolitical aspect as well. Number two, you've mentioned cycles. Once again, only once has it happened that more time passed between recessions than right now. And if another year goes by without us having one, it would be a record. So even strictly from a cyclical perspective, we're kind of due or overdue a recession. So for these various reasons, I tell people, look, do I know for a fact that the next crisis is going to start two months, four days, and 10 hours from now? No, I do not. Do I, however, think that the risk-to-reward ratio of preparing right now it's just asymmetrically in your favor. You have kind of the luxury of watching this video right now when nobody around you is panicking. And when you have time to put together your plan, which is something I help people do with my book, and also execute it, because again, these things take time. If you wait until everyone starts being afraid and you have financial television in full-on panic mode, then you can have the smartest economist in the world by your side and there won't be much he can do for you. It's not my intention to get people to become depressed. That's why I lowered the price of my book this week. That's why I have a contest. It's my way of saying to people, my book launch is not a funeral. On the other hand, I am talking about serious things. I am talking about situations where the stakes are very high, where pretty much the financial future of your family is at stake. It's your life savings. It's your retirement. It's your nest egg that's sitting out there. Exactly. So my value proposition to people with this book, just like with my YouTube channel, is this. I understand you have families, you have lives, you have jobs, you have businesses, whatever you have. That's fine. But if you just allocate a small, small fraction of your free time to reading my book, to checking out my work on YouTube, then I promise I'm going to give you the best bang for your buck, essentially, that I possibly can. And you can do things, especially now if you take action, preferably as quickly as possible, you can do things that generate generally life-altering results without them taking too much of a toll on your day-to-day activities. So I think I think that's a very fair value proposition. Speaking of the book, can you tell us the title and where to find it? Title is The Age of Anomaly, Spotting Financial Storms in a Sea of Uncertainty is uh, the full title. You can find it pretty much everywhere books are sold. Like you can find all of the links on a small website I, I set up, ageofanomaly.com, or you can just search for Age of Anomaly, the name of the book, on Amazon, where you can find the print and digital version, on Barnes & Noble, print and digital, iBooks, which is Apple's platform, uh, the digital version, and Kobo, also uh, digital only, and in a bunch of smaller stores as well. And also, if you want to check out the contest, you can head over to my One Minute Economics channel where I'm going to have a video about it, or I'm going to also upload the rules on uh, OneMinuteEconomics.com. So I'm, a, I'm an easy guy to get a hold of. <laughs> awesome. I'll be sure to link to those in the description, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with us today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. I genuinely hope people manage to extract a ton of value from our discussion. And most importantly, I hope as many of them as possible are going to do something meaningful. And of course, whatever that something is, is entirely up to them. 
I totally agree. It's uh, it's not worth listening to great advice if you don't act on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, there is a wrap on another great interview, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As always, you can find the show notes at personalprofitability.com. Make sure to check out Andre's YouTube channel, One Minute Economics. It's great. And if you're already over at YouTube, make sure to subscribe to Personal Profitability. My channel, once again, is at youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for your ratings, reviews, and listening until the end. Until next time, stay profitable. Oh, 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 oh,